This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 51, Stacy Sikora. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with former USA Volleyball Olympic silver medalist, Stacy Sikora. Kids nowadays, they're trying to specialize. They're like 10 years old and like five years old. And um, I give them props if they, want, if they would like to do that. And they feel it in their heart and their soul to do it. But I think as young children, they should experiment and like try everything because you never know. I mean, I played softball. I played, you know, I played other sports when I was a child, but I had the opportunity to make the decision if I wanted to do it. And no one made that decision for me. And I'm sitting here with a silver medal around my neck. Stacy discusses what it was like to play in three different Olympic Games and to be named the world's best volleyball digger. In addition, she explains what she was able to learn from her teammates and coaches throughout her prolific Olympic career. Stacy, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Stacy Sikora was born in Fort Worth, Texas, and grew up in Burleson, a nearby suburb. At Burleson High School, she played volleyball, basketball, track and field, and cross country. Amazingly, she continued to play three sports in college at Texas A&M, where in addition to her volleyball exploits, she won a Big 12 conference title in the heptathlon. In 1998, international volleyball introduced a new position known as libero, and in January 1999, Stacy joined the USA women's national team in this new role. In 2000, in her first Olympics of three, Stacy ranked second among all players in digs with 123, including a career-high 26 in one match against Korea and a quarterfinal win. In the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, Stacy was named the game's best digger. In her third Olympics, 2008 in Beijing, Stacy came away with a silver medal. In addition to her time spent playing for USA Volleyball, Stacy played professionally in Italy, Brazil, Spain, and Russia. Stacy, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Thank you very much. So I know growing up in Texas that you had two older sisters, and I'm curious if your parents did anything in particular to encourage the three of you guys to play sports. Well, actually, I, I, I don't know if my parents encouraged it. We just did it. Like Ever since I was little, from the first memory I have, I remember playing out in the streets from dusk till dawn. Like, I would wait for my mom to, I'd hear her whistle when the, the sun would go down, and we'd all have to go in and eat dinner. But we played constantly. Uh, I played with my sisters every, I, I can almost say every single day outside. So, is, is it my parents' inf- influence? Most likely it is because they allowed us to do it. But at the same time, I think um, we were just inspired by also by um, the other kids in the, in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I know that playing sports often, you know, parents are, they end up shuttling their kids to practice and traveling to tournaments. Um, did you feel like that was something that your parents were, were busy doing for you and your sisters? 
Well, yes, of course. They we had, <laughs> had two other sisters, so they had to do three children. Um, so we did a, a lot of our um, friends um, did sports. So we got to, the, our friends were involved. Our friends' parents were involved. My my grandmother, my family, my aunts, my uncles, everyone was kind of involved, uh, transporting us everywhere. It's wonderful to have all that support. Yes. So if you could sort of describe, you know, if someone took a, a look at your parents um, in the stands during one of your games or during one of your competitions, what, what would they have seen in the stands? They would see cheering. You know what? I can honestly say, like, um, my parents, never I never saw them negative. Uh, no matter if I played bad or if we lost, I'd always, you know, my mom would always give me, you know, a positive a positive response or something positive like, okay, well, you know, you might not be happy this game, but y'all still won. Or, mm-hmm. or she'd be like, um, y'all didn't win, but you did well. Or, you know, she was always saying something positive to me. So I remember um, always feeling like I could do better. I could, I could be the best. I always thought I could do, I could do better because of, because of my, uh, my family's always being positive. That's wonderful. Um, so I was really impressed to learn that you played three sports in high school and then, Really blown away to find out you continued playing three sports in college um, at Texas A&M. But just focusing on high school for a minute, um, did you ever feel pressure to specialize in one sport? And I'm curious if you did feel that pressure. How did you handle it? Well, first of all, this is not a. I hope I'm. This is not a bad correction. I actually did four sports in high school. I did volleyball, basketball, track, and cross country. So uh, the cross country. Did you? So, did I ever feel pressure? Is the question. I Just never once felt pressure. I mean, I did. Like, I would play a volleyball game uh, on Friday, and then uh, I never did cross country during the season. I didn't run cross country. I just did district, regionals, and state. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would go on Friday night to a volleyball game, and then Saturday night I would wake up and go run the cross country meet, and then I would play volleyball, and then I would fly out to the regional, or and then fly out to state just to uh, compete in the one, in the one. Um, Cross country meet. So it's funny. My whole my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I went to state three years in cross country, and I only did three three meets. You never had any coaches um, or anyone in the community pressuring you to drop one sport so you could spend more time on another sport. Never. And you know what? This is what I always say when kids, because kids nowadays they're trying to specialize. And they're like ten years old and like five years old, and. Um, I give them props if they want, if they would like to do that, and they feel it in their heart and their soul to do it. But I think as young children, they should experiment and like try everything because you never know. I mean, I played softball, I played, you know, I played other sports when I was a child, but I had the opportunity to make the decision if I wanted to do it, and no one made that decision for me. And I'm sitting here with a silver medal around my neck. Um, a volleyball silver medal when I had a million people tell me like just friends and stuff you should just do track or whatever when I was older um but I made my own decision because I had the opportunity to to make that decision um I I just think children should should uh, try everything try everything you can if you feel like you if you have that question mark in your mind like I wonder if I could play that. If you have a question mark, try it because you don't want to, you know, get older and be like, gosh, I wanted to, to play basketball, but I never did because I just, I just didn't try it. You know, I just don't want anyone to have any regrets. So that's a big thing. I didn't have pressure, and I think it was the most wonderful thing that happened to me because it, in the end it made me make the decision. That's great. Um, I'm curious if there's specific advice that you would give, you know, responsible sports coaches when they have an athlete like you were 
who's so talented in so many different sports and maybe that coach really wants her to specialize and just play volleyball because they see what a bright future she has but what advice would you give that coach um, about you know not not putting that pressure on well exactly I would just I would always be positive because this is this is what happened when I was in college um, uh, Lori Corbelli was an Olympian uh, my coach is an Olympian and she was like you can go to the Olympics this is my dream She's like, Stacey, if you play volleyball, just do volleyball, you can go to the Olympics. Well, then I ran track, and I did the heptathlon, and I won the heptathlon, and my coach was like, he was an Olympian, and he was like, Stacey, if you concentrate on track, you can you can go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it was just wonderful. Like, as coaches, what I would tell them is, like, be positive and be be a realist and mm-hmm. be in, and always state the truth to someone. So if you have an athlete that should just play volleyball and be, just be like, you make the decision. Let them tell them that they should make their own decision, but they are so talented in this sport, and if they if they practice harder, if they did this or that or did this and give them examples, then, then they think they could go to the next level. And ask them, like, hey, ask the, 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 the player, do you want to um, continue to play sports as you're older? Mm-hmm. You know, let them ask them and see, because maybe they want to be a doctor. Maybe they're just doing volleyball because they like it, but mm-hmm. they want to be a doctor. They lo- and they, they're their their heart and soul is to be a doctor. You know, you just never know. So I would just say be be honest, tell the truth, and, and give positive positive and negative um, positive and negative responses. They always help. I never tell everyone just to be positive. I think negativity also makes uh, players grow. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. About the positive and negative? Yeah, about the negativity helping players grow. Okay, so I feel as though, like, um, I personally, I'm speaking for my own personal opinion, this is not for everyone, but um, when I, as a player, if someone, like, always complimented me, I don't, I didn't need that. I, mm-hmm. I liked when they're like, Stacy, turn your hips this way, and I was like, yes, and so then mm-hmm. that whole day, I'm, like, turning my hips and trying to make it become a habit, mm-hmm. so something that is negative, I wouldn't be that, okay, when I say negative, I don't mean really negative, like, terrible negative, I just mean, like, um, not so positive. So, like, maybe turn your hips, Stacey. Gosh, if you would have if you would have dropped your shoulder, you would have got that block. Right. So that means I would practice that shoulder drop, and then when it becomes habit, it's because of the the response was negative. Okay, we we call it negative, but sure. with the response being negative, it be, it made me become a better player and made uh, an action that you wanted to be become a habit. Yeah. So I think that um, everything doesn't have to be positive, um, but you have to. Um, also gain respect from the player to be able to say something negative. So so a little bit more, I guess, about college and in, in particular playing team sports like volleyball um, versus individual sports like track and field. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the difference um, as an athlete of, of playing a team sport versus an individual sport? Yes. I mean, I... For me, track and field was still a team sport mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I had to focus on my individual my individual things, but as is volleyball, I have to focus on the individual skill as well. But not when they serve a ball, 15 people can't pass the ball. Only mm-hmm. one person can pass the ball. So mm-hmm. for me, that's a team sport. Um, but also, so is the heptathlon. I can't win. I can't win without my teammates being there they, as support and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I believe, personally... Um, I just love team sports. Gosh, I mean, um, being the difference in, in a team, in a in volleyball and track is that, yes, you win an individual award and you walk away with it by yourself. But um, 
I always supported my team and I always wanted my other teammates to win. I, I, I'm hoping I'm explaining this well, but like it's an individual sport, but it's also that you're around other individuals. Like even in tennis, tennis is an individual sport, golf is an individual sport, but you, you have other, you're competing against other athletes. And if you, I personally, um, I personally like to meet um, the other athletes. I like to encourage the other athletes. I like to actually, you know, like watch a video of other athletes and learn from them and then talk to them about it. Like, I like that. Um, and so for me, every sport is kind of a team sport. And But at the same time, every sport is an individual sport because you have to be mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. You have to be physically prepared as an individual for a team sport and an individual sport. Great, great. Um, so a little while ago, you mentioned playing for Laura Corbelli um, at Texas A&M, who I think she won a silver medal in the 1984 Olympic Games. And I'm curious, just globally, can you sort of tell us a little bit about what it was like playing for Coach Corbelli? Oh, it was absolutely wonderful. I had so much respect for them because, you know, her husband is the assistant coach, and he is the coach of the silver medal team. Mm. And I remember seeing her medal, and the Olympics have always been my, my goal since I was in, I think I have a paper written in second grade. Like, <laughs> I've been wanting to go to the Olympics forever. And so, like... Gosh, Lori and John just, you know, they just knew how to motivate players, um, but they also knew how to make them grow. And they had like four All-Americans while while I was there, and Mm. and we were a team, a very team that didn't go very far, not a big team, but they always made players who were just average athletes in high school become All-Americans. They molded these players, Mm. and that just shows a good coach. So for me, Lori and John are incredible because they take normal normal athletes and they mold them into American, all-American and Olympic athletes. How do they do that? Um, you know what? I just, I just remember like when I was going through some hard times or, or whatever I would go to, I'd be like, can I come to your office? And I remember outside of the volleyball court, I would go to Lori and, and I'd talk to them about, I'd talk to Lori about like my personal stuff. And then I would go to John and I would be like, I want to do video. And he would teach me like, um, we would do some, uh, like he, I remember he gave me the book, the Zen book. Mm. I mean, he was like trying to work on the mental part of volleyball, which I didn't have when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just, they, he did the mental part and she did the, the mental part also, but like the personal part. And they just helped me not only as a volleyball player, but as a person. And I thank them daily for that. I mean, I go back every year, I go back to them and I thank them so much for what they did. They did for me not only as a player, but as an individual. So so in responsible sports, we often talk about how the very best coaches teach lessons that go well beyond the playing field. So yes, they're making you a better volleyball player and, and even an Olympian, but they're teaching you other things that you're going to carry with you, you know, until you die. Uh, and are, are there certain life lessons, like one or two very specific things that aren't necessarily volleyball specific that you feel like uh, John and Coach Corbelli taught you? Oh, gosh, so much. I mean, gosh, I could just sit here and talk about them all day. But the biggest, I remember a quote that she said, it was, it was, um, it was volleyball, but um, she was like, why not me? And I mm. use that often. And then I use that probably every camp I do, every, every speech I do, mm-hmm. I say this. And because it inspired me so much, she's like, why not you? She mm. goes, why me? Why Lori Corbelli? Why did I go to the Olympics? Who knows? And like, why not stay Sikora? Twelve people have to go. Why not? No one ever knows who's going to go. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Why not? Yeah. Why not stay Sikora? And that was something I've kept. And I've, I've spoke with it for a hundred years now with her saying that. But it's so true. Like, why not me? And that's something like off the top of my head that I, I really, really took from them. 
Yeah, that's a great story. Um, so looking at the arc of your volleyball career in particular, it seems like you became sort of more and more of a defensive expert. And I know with digging in volleyball and passing, it's, you know, it's really immediately clear whether or not you're successful on any given play. And I'm curious if there are certain tips that you could give younger players about sort of moving on and focusing forward, even after they might make a bad pass. Oh, yeah, because the, I always say this. You can't change the past. The only mm-hmm. thing you have control over is now and the future period. And so the past, you cannot do anything about it. So it's I always say on the court as well, next ball, next mm-hmm. ball, mm-hmm. next ball, next ball. And um, we learned a lot this year. I mean, not this year, this quad in USA Volleyball. And it was like uh, be in the moment, live mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was playing, uh before the accident, I was playing, and I would, um, I would um, look at the ceiling all the time. I'd say here, here, and I would look at the ground. I would say here, and I would just put myself here, like there, mm-hmm. and like let my know, let myself know, like in my mind, I couldn't wander off, and I couldn't think about last ball or next ball. I mean, I was just thinking next ball. I'm here, and now, what can I do right at this moment? Mm, mm. So, so Stacy, some of our responsible sports listeners may not know about the incredible recovery that you've made uh, since the bus crash in Brazil back in 2011. So I'm wondering if you could just tell them a little bit about what happened and then the approach you've taken on your road to recovery. Well, on April 12, uh, 2011, I um, was going to a wild ball game in Brazil, and my butt, it was raining, and my bus crashed. And what flipped, my bus flipped, and um, I was a silver medalist at the time, and I had three gold medals on the bus with me, so that was Mm -hmm. kind of fun. Um, My bus flipped, and I hit my head, and I was in an almost four-day coma, Mm -hmm. and they said, they told my uh, my family and my agent, I probably wasn't ever going to walk again, but I'd probably come out uh, mentally retarded. And when I woke up, I was speaking three languages, and... um, Oh, yeah, anyways, I won't get into the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got in an accident, and then um, I was in the hospital in Brazil for a month. I don't remember a day. I don't remember a week before the accident or a month after the accident, not mm. a second. Mm. Um, my family came and visited me in Brazil. I don't remember a second of them being there. Wow. And then after I left Brazil after a month, I went to um, I went to America straight into the brain, uh, Casa Kalina, brain damage um, hospital, and I was there for about two weeks, and then I... Um, started, I, I got to start um, going in the gym, the USA gym. I would go to the hospital three times a week. So on Tuesday and Thursday, I would get to go to the gym and I'd go to a court by myself and they'd like toss a ball to me. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you all this. I was um, paralyzed on my right side for like five days. And um, so I had to learn how to walk again. I had to do, um, I had to learn basically there, I heard stories uh, just about two weeks ago about me, how I had to learn how to eat again. It was mm. incredible. So I um, went to the gym and I just started playing, you know, passing and stuff and trying to just see because my, um, uh, my vision is still uh, in bad condition, so I still can't see very well. But So I played and then I just started training and then I finally got to train with the girls and then I trained and I fought and um, I got, I ended up, um, going back to Brazil uh, seven months later after the accident and playing in Brazil. And wow. I came back to the USA team and I tried, I trained with the USA team and I did not make this Olympic team. And um, I went this year and I played in Italy this year. Mm. 
Well, it's it's an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And, you know, in preparing for the interview, I talked to a few people who really know the volleyball world. And, and when they hear about you, they just say you're known so much for your tremendous work ethic. And um, I really, I sort of, I have to believe that that work ethic has helped you um, in your recovery. And I, I'm curious, when you think about that work ethic, has that just always been with you? Or, or where did that come from? Well, I have to say, I, if I recall, in the past, I was a, um, in the past, I was a, um, I was a, a hard, I was a hard worker. I believe I was a hard worker in the past. But um, we had a coach whose name was Toshiaki Yoshida. He was mm-hmm. a Japanese coach, and mm-hmm. we trained, we trained like eight hours a day, in, and then we would go to weights or speed training or something. But like eight hours a day, and so it was. It was intense training, and you and you're training for the USA team, not just for you know any team. You're training for the US of a team. So I think that's where I got my work ethic. So I'd always, every day, just always want to do better, better, better. And, and I really think uh, my work ethic was established by him, but I it was obviously a choice of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So around the position of libero, are you, um, I know people often think about it like as being a sort of a physical attributes thing, you know, that sort of the certain player is going to be the one who's the right fit for the role. But are there certain things outside of like physical attributes that you think um, add up to someone being successful, like mental skills you need to be good in that role? Yeah, I believe you have to, um, it's an un, unselfish position you can never score a point I mean you could if you like pass the ball over the net and like it hits the ground and and have I done that yes I've done that and I got a point I was excited but you can't score points you Mm -hmm. can't you you can't do anything you have to play for your team so Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing is like you should always help your teammates that's something that I I take pride in and I think that is huge revival you should you should you're playing for these team your teammates so help them if you see that that block is giving you cross court you tell them you tell your hitter hey you can hit cross court or if you see they're having a a problem maybe they need just need one word like feet or your hands or your hips you know mm-hmm. and so i always help my teammates i think that's huge um is helping your teammates and always if something happens in between uh, you or yourself and another player always take the responsibility. If it's a bad pass, it's your fault. If mm-hmm. the ball drops, it's your fault. Never point your finger at them, point your finger at yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm curious, you know, everything you're talking about here makes me think that you could be, if you wanted to, a tremendous coach. And I'm curious if in your future um, you think that coaching might be part of where the future might carry you. Gosh, I, you know what? I've done camps my whole life, and I adore them. I love it. I love coaching because it's something that I, um, coming from Burleson, Texas, I didn't, um, we had the Burleson coaches, but I didn't get to go to a higher level mm-hmm. uh, in Burleson. I didn't get to play club. And um, so I just, um, I think coaching changed my life. Like I told you, Toshiaki Yoshida, Lori Corbelli, John Corbelli, mm-hmm. they changed my life. And I, um, and I've always think that maybe I could do that. I, and I would love to change someone's life mm-hmm. beyond volleyball, but change them change their life as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I say I would love to be a coach, but right now, um, after the accident, um, I just finished my, um, my season in Italy mm-hmm. and now I'm just going to take this summer. And, um, I told, I told everyone, I told my family, I should say first that I'm just going to take this summer to live my life that I almost lost. 
mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy every day, every second. And then, then after this, after this summit, that's when I'm going to make decisions about my life. And obviously, when doors open, uh, other doors are closed, and other doors close, and others open. So yeah, hopefully, I, I would love to coach. Gosh, but I don't know um, what my life's going to bring me um, after this summer. But coaching is something that I actually, it's I adore. I love it. I, abs- I absolutely love it. So I have um, one question to ask you about parents in particular, and if you could give any advice to our responsible sports parents for dealing with situations where maybe they don't think their daughter is getting enough playing time, or maybe they wanted to try a new position and they don't feel like the coaches are letting her try that new position. Um, What would you say to a parent if they start asking those sorts of questions? Do you know, like, um, I remember thinking, I never went through that as a kid. Um, I was always playing and I didn't really even, I just wanted to win. So that's the biggest thing is parents nowadays are like, well, my kids should be playing, my, this is this, but I, I personally think that parents should let the coach be in charge of that. Give the coach the responsibility. Help your kid as much as you can, but when it comes to games and stuff, and, and um, leave that up to the coach. Practice, mm-hmm. okay, maybe you can be like, hey, um, Sue, your daughter, hey, stay after and do some more repetitions. Practice makes perfect, and I truly believe that. Practice makes perfect. Make, let them practice. But I just, I, um, I think that parents should not just look at their, their child as an individual. They need to look at their child's team and think about the team. And I just think that you can't control the uncontrollable, so don't try to control the uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. Um, just let the team um, do the best for a team and help your daughter as much as she can. And the biggest thing is I always say practice makes perfect. And, mm-hmm. and if you, if you doubt if your daughter's not playing or whatever, just have her go practice and, mm-hmm. and, and that's it. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. So is there a certain age where you might tell a parent, you know, your daughter's really old enough now to talk to her coach about, you know, playing a new position or more playing time where you really feel like that conversation should be happening between the player and the coach? Yes, I actually do believe it. And you know what? Like, I've actually done it myself. Um, I've, like, gone to a coach and just been like, how I want to be, I, I want, you know, I want to be the best in the world. What can I do? And they told, and they told me. Or you could be like, I want to be a starter coach, but I, I want to do it for the team. I will do anything for this team. What can help me um, fight for this position, fight to be a starter? Yeah. What can I do? You tell me. And then, because maybe it's, maybe, like in volleyball, Libro, maybe it's um, the other Libro, y'all are the same, the two Libros are the same, but one Libro can set better on an off ball, mm-hmm. on, on a bad ball. So, mm-hmm. and then she could just, the coach should be honest and be like, well, you're not starting because the other Libro sets better on off balls. Okay, so that will give her the opportunity to go to practice and practice the off ball setting. Yeah. I mean, from a coaching perspective, I can't think of anything I'd like more than having an athlete come to me and say that, you know, I want to be the best in the world. What can I do? And really looking for areas of improvement. Like that's exactly what we want in our athletes. That's tremendous. Um, Stacey, I just, I want to thank you so much for taking the time um, with us today to share um, all of your, the lessons you've learned over these years as an athlete. And um, I think our responsible sports listeners will really appreciate it. And I think your insights will be really helpful to so many parents and coaches and student athletes out there listening today. So thank you so much for taking this time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. To learn more about responsible sports, 
including downloading valuable tools on a mastery approach to youth sports that includes creating a commitment to learning, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.